that you chose to be with us this morning. Did you notice all the things happening with the band? Aren't they talented? Kevin's in the drum booth coming out grabbing his guitar. Ed's playing keyboard. Next thing you know, he's playing keyboard drum thing. That was great. You guys did a wonderful job. I almost thought, well, I'll come up and play guitar for Kevin. But then I remembered they were doing that first song in F sharp, and I don't know how to play F sharp, so I let it go. I just let it go. So they're doing a great job. I appreciate people and then all the efforts they give to, to do things well at Oakwood. Let's pray together as you turn to Romans. You can start heading there. I'll meet you in Romans 2 in just a minute. Let's pray this morning. Would you pray this prayer? God, if there's anything you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. We'll correct that. God, sense there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. And God, we pray that you would be glorified. Pray that everyone hearing this message would be edified and that Satan would be horrified in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'm enjoying the effort, the work. The work product is, is probably better than what you guys get. I, I enjoy the studying of Romans. There's so much. Uh, there's hours and hours and hours of reading to, to, to boil it down to what I want to hand you as the nuggets. Uh, but I encourage you to be reading through Romans. Keep reading through this. And maybe uh, by explaining some of the details, you can go back and read it with new eyes, right? And maybe understand more about what Paul is trying to get across. And so, um, I got nothing, folks. It's not moving, so I'm going to have to have you move it in the back. Go ahead and go forward a slide. Or is it froze? Is it froze? Is it froze? Because it's not doing anything. It's not moving forward at all. I'll let them figure that all out. If it's froze, it's froze, and we'll move forward. But the big idea today, Romans 2, 12 through 16, uh, you're going to love it. I just couldn't, I couldn't help myself. I fought the law and the law won, right? Uh, as soon as I got to this passage, I thought, oh, man, this is exactly what he's talking about. I fought the law and the law won. The law is always going to win. I want you to know that as we talk through this. And, and really, I say that because I want you to understand what Paul's trying to get across. He's got a big idea that he's trying to have people understand. And uh, if you don't understand what Paul is trying to lay out as an argument, you'll, you'll make some really bad theological choices on these passages. It's, it's really... If, if you just jump into chapter 2, verse 12, and start reading, you can really make some bad theological mistakes about salvation, important things, things that Paul very clearly teaches differently, uh, but, but his words here are chosen because he's making a point. And so I'll try to break that out for you. But I fought the law, and the law won, Romans 2, 12 through 16. Let me read it, and then we'll go back and make some points on it. Verse 12. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature the things required by the law, they are a law for themselves even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. Their consciences also bear witness and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them. 
This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. Do you guys read scripture and do the parts? When you get to a parenthesis, you got to go, got to make that noise, okay? And you're actually going to find this morning that where you put the parentheses matters. I don't know if you know that, if you study English or you like English, um, or if you're in your school right now and you don't even want me talking about it because school's almost out, but where a parentheses is makes a difference. Everything in a parentheses is, is like together to make that point, right? It's talking about what was come before to further make that point. And in this passage, uh, well, one thing you need to know that the parentheses, they're not ordained. Uh, God didn't put the parentheses there. When, when translators translate the language, they put in uh, parentheses and, and commas and stuff like that. And so uh, this isn't necessarily ordained by God, Paul stuff. This is man coming along later trying to understand what Paul wrote and trying to throw parentheses. Now, everybody look in your copy of Scripture. Depending on if you have an NIV, RSVP, or a King James Version, the are in different places. So just to show you, those are man's things. Don't get caught up and don't worry about it. However, uh, I'm just going to come out and tell you, I, I listened to Martin Lloyd-Jones. He's a classic theologian and wrote and, and spoke the longest, best series in the book of Romans. He wholeheartedly believes that the f should start at verse 13, not 14. Like many of your, how many of you have a, a copy of the scripture where the f starts at verse 14? Huh? Yep. Most, most people there. Yeah. So, I believe, like Martin Lloyd-Jones believes, that we should put that right at the beginning of verse 13. Let me show you why. It makes sense. We'll talk it through. And before we even go verse by verse through this, we got to go back to verse 11. Verse 11 says, God does not show favoritism. You remember that from last week? That was the main point. God does not show favoritism. We're continuing on that theme this week. Man shows favoritism, but God does not. God is never prejudiced toward anybody. He will judge equally and accordingly. With that said, Paul goes on and says, all who sin from the law will perish with the law. All who sin under the law will be judged by the law. What did the people do? Sin. Everybody say sin. <laughs> now, understand that that's what Paul is saying. I know that most people get caught up on the word judged in this passage. And it, it, it's kind of natural because he's talking about that. But I need to remind you what Paul's actual words are. All who sin will perish. All who sin will be judged. Guess what? All have sinned. Say it with me. All have sinned. And that's the mega point. Paul is trying to convince us. His argument here is not, listen very carefully in eyeballs here. You got to hear this. His argument here is not the way of salvation. Paul is not going to talk about how a person can be saved at all in this passage. He is still making the point, all have sinned, all will be judged. God does not show favoritism. There is no excuse. Do you get what Paul's trying to do there? He's just trying to make, he doesn't care. If you're a very, 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 very religious Jew, he's letting you know. Sin will be judged. You are a sinner. <laughs> the Gentile who've just come to faith. You will be judged because you are a sinner. The person who's never heard anything about the gospel. You will be judged. You are a sinner. 
Paul is just making the case about all have sinned. He's going to further that later on. You've heard a verse sound similar to that. We'll get there when we get there. All have sinned. So in verse 12, let me help you out. Parentheses at verse 13, parentheses at the end of 15. So you take the parentheses out, what do you have left? Verses 12 and 16. Those verses are connected. It matters where you put the parentheses. So let's read verse, I'm going to actually read verse 12 and 16, then we'll go back and do the parentheses. Does that make sense? Somebody say yes, PD. Okay. All who sin apart from the law will perish apart from the law. All who sin under the law will be judged by the law. What is this under the law? Paul obviously is a Jew among all Jews, and he understands that the Mosaic Covenant, the, the, the law, is what was given to the Jews. They're under law. God gave it to the Jewish people. So the Jews, they're going to be judged under the law that God gave them. Who's not under law? Well, the Gentiles. They're not under law, that law. They didn't receive the Mosaic Covenant. But they will be judged as they are. Those who never heard the gospel, they're going to be judged according to the situation they're in. A person never hearing the gospel is not going to be judged as one who has. Paul is simply making a, not how to get saved or who can be saved. He's simply saying, doesn't matter where you're coming from, who you are, what you know, what you don't. We're sinners. Remember the orchard, the tree? We're all from that sinful past. Therefore, no one is without excuse. None of this has to do with justification, but rather judgment. Notice in verse 12, he uses perish. And then when he talks about the Jews, he uses the term judge. The standard applied to the Jew is higher than that of the Gentile. God demands more of his people with the law. I think this is important for us. Now, I know we're not a Jewish congregation today, but we are believers We do have scripture, and I want you to know that according to what Paul is teaching here, those who have much, much is required, right? And so the fact that you have scripture and you know at least some, you're going to be accountable to that someday. That's what Paul is making clear, but especially to the Jews, he's making that clear. Luke 12, let me read it in a different context so you'll hear it very clearly in Luke 12, 47 and 48. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted much, much more will be asked. Again, even in this passage, we're not talking about justification and salvation. We're simply talking about sin will be judged. Did you notice there's blows for everybody? The one that broke the law knowingly gets a lot. The one that didn't gets a little. But we're talking about judgment. Everybody say judgment. Don't put justification in this passage. It's not there. That's the big mistake. Okay, so hang on. Keep thinking about what Paul's trying to get across. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Believers are judged according to the deeds. Everyone's deeds and actions will be judged. Everybody say judged. But we're still not talking about salvation. We're just talking about sin. No one is without excuse. 
So now let's go right to verse 16. We just talked about all sin. And now verse 16 says, this will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. What do we know what Paul's trying to say? Sin will be judged. There is a day of judgment. That's all he's trying to get across. He wants everybody to know, you better pay attention. You don't get a pass because you were born a Jew. You don't get a pass because you were a Gentile and you didn't have law. There's no pass. So he keeps just letting everybody know there is a day of judgment. And by the way, on this, um, it, it definitely says in verse 16, it's through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. John chapter 5, I love this. I, I, these are verses that I, I, I don't think I've ever really listened to much before, but God makes it clear in John five twenty two and 27. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, Verse 27, and he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. Jesus Christ will judge sin. The question would be is why? Well, it's very clear that God gave Jesus the authority and right because he's the one that went to the cross. Is there anybody better than the one who went to the cross and became sin for all of us to then stand as judge over sin? Jesus Christ is going to be judge and then verse 16 ends with as my gospel declares some people get all caught up in this oh paul is arrogant his gospel well listen paul makes it very clear that his gospel is the gospel he's not teaching paul's gospel he's teaching the gospel so when paul's gospel is shared it's the gospel maybe i should give you another verse let's look at uh, ephesians or galatians 1 8 But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Paul's not arrogant here or rude. He's simply saying, my gospel, the one I've shared with you, is the gospel. It's not because he gave it. It's simply because it's the gospel. Uh, There's been times when I've told people, uh, when I travel and speak, Uh, I'll tell them this is going to be the most important message you've ever heard. Not because I'm giving it, because it's God's. It's salvation. I'm going to talk to you about how you can know you're saved. So it's nothing to do with me, but it's the most important message you'll ever hear because it's God's message. I just want to make that clear as we move forward. So now let's go back. Everybody ready? Let's, we did 12 and 16. Are you with me? Because I'm talking. This is mega, mega mind stuff today. We did verse 12. We did verse 16 because those are connected. Sin, all. Judgment, all. Are we on the same page? Who judges? Jesus, right? And then whose gospel? God's, but it's the gospel Paul shared. Okay, we've got it. That's 12 and 16. Now let's go into 13 through 16. We start with a, for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Everybody stop. If you just turn to Romans 2 and verse 13 and make theology out of verse 13, we're in big trouble. Let's look at it one more time. Look at what we just read. It's not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it's those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. We just heard Paul say, salvation is through works, right? Salvation is by obeying the law. We just heard that. It's not, it's not at all what he said. It's not at all what he said. 
He just made the point that all are sinners, judgment for all. Now he's going to further explain that. He's going to make it very clear to the Jews because they're the ones who heard the law. So he says it's not those who hear the law, but those who obey the law. Let me ask you a question. And Paul's making this point. Who has obeyed the law perfectly? Anybody? Has anybody ever done it? Jesus. Paul's getting there. I just want to make sure you understand. His theology is not messed up. Paul's very clear throughout Scripture that it's not by works. It's only by grace. That's why he's making this point. He is now going to talk to the Jews who think that they're, they're saved. The Jews think we're in no matter what. It doesn't matter what I do, what I say. I'm in because I'm a Jew. I'm born saved. And so Paul's going to come to them and say, it's not just because you heard the law, you were blessed to be a Jew and you got law. That doesn't save you. It's only one who does it perfectly. And nobody, he's going to make that point later, nobody succeeds. There are two ways to get to heaven. Don't throw things, okay? This is kind of what Paul's doing. I'm going to do it in my own version. There's two ways you can get to heaven. Trust Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins or show up having never sinned. There's two ways. If you want to go to heaven and go to God and say, here I am, I did it. Move over, Jesus, me and you. Brother Jesus, me and you, we were perfect. Never sinned, never had a bad thought, never lied, never cheated, never, never even thought about anything. And you can get to heaven that way. Guess what? Too late. Eh, you've already blown it. You're like, ah, oh, I wish they'd told me on my first day born how to try it harder, right? Nobody can do it. I really want to make you understand because this, this is so important. I, I, I know I'm geeked out theologian here today. This is so important because if you read verse 13, you could walk away and say, oh, okay, so those who do the law are saved. No, no, you can't be. That's the point. He's trying to say you can't make it. Hearing the law does nothing. Perfect execution is essential. And you're not going to get there. 14. Indeed, when Gentiles, so we were talking about Jews in verse 13, now we're talking about the Gentiles, who do not have the law, do by nature things required by the law. They're a law for themselves, even though they don't have the law. This deals with the Gentiles. Is it fair for them to be judged under the Jewish law? No, it's not. So they're not judged under the Mosaic Jewish law. They're not under that law. But they're responsible for the moral conscience. We're going to talk about that. Even though they didn't have the Mosaic law, they're under natural law. Do you understand that there is natural law? And this is so hard for our culture today. Oh, people love anarchy. People love no rules. I learned a long time ago because I'm a rule breaker. I've learned a long time ago, but I don't want to live in a society without rules. Even though I hate rules. There is no such thing as a society with no rules. Because if you want to live in a society of anarchy with no rules, guess who thinks their way of living is primary? You do. If you ever meet an anarchist, they, they wear the little A with a circle on it. And they're like, we don't believe in any rules. Let's defund all the police and get rid of all the laws and we'll just all do what we want to do. If you meet somebody like that, hit them over the head with a two-by-four, and they're going to say, you can't do that. Why? There are no rules. But you can't hit me in the head. So there is a rule. Yes, you can't hit me in the head. Who made that rule? Well, it's just, 
It's just, you can't hit people in the head. Who made that rule? It comes from someplace. Nobody is a true anarchist. Nobody. Take their car. You can't take my car. Who said? You just can't do it. It's mine. But there are no rules. There's two rules. You can't hit me in the head. You can't take my car. Why? I'm asking you an honest question here. Why is it wrong to steal somebody's stuff and to hit them on the head with a two-by-four? It's just natural law. It's written on all of our heads and hearts. Everyone knows it. No one had to be told it. It exists because there is a God. By the way, this is one of my favorite proofs for the existence of God. If there was not God, then there wouldn't be any moral standard. We would just be amoeba flesh that grew blobby. And, and what would it matter what we did? If we were just stuff and there was no God, no authority, no right and wrong, anarchy would be the rule of the day. But it's not. Because there is a God and there is a natural law. And that's just a little window into what he's saying here. The Jews didn't, or the Gentiles didn't get the Jewish law, but they have a law. And it says they're a law to themselves. Don't get carried away with that. What he's saying is they're, they're a law to themselves. They know you can't hit somebody over there with a two by four. Without being told, they know you can't do that. Natural law. So then we move on in verse 15. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their conscience is also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing or um, setting them free, defending them. Three proofs of a Gentile guilt. The work, the thing that the law produces, is written on their hearts. So for a Gentile who never got the law, the fact that they understand that they're right and wrong, that's proof. Secondly, their consciences bear witness. Everyone has a sense of right and wrong that convicts us. It's not perfect. It's not going to lead you to salvation. It just convicts. It doesn't save. Natural law is not enough. It, it, we'll, argue, we'll all argue the finer details of natural law, but usually it's self, selfishness, right? It's going to be based on what I need or what I like. So it's not perfect, but it does at least convict. And their thoughts, your reasoning and arguing accuses or excuses them. All these things are, are what we learn from looking at what Paul is teaching. 12 and 16 connected, 13 through 15, just further detailing, all have sinned, no one has any excuse. All right, they've been trying to keep up with me, but I wasn't there yet, so I'm going to go back. All right, so what do we learn about verses 13 through 15? False teaching about verse 13. The Jews are justified by their works. Some people actually believe that this is what that teaches. It's a false teaching. The Jews are not justified by what they do because they fall short. So they're not saved because of works. Second thing, those who have the law or natural law are justified by their works. No, just because you have a moral person doesn't mean they're saved. Again, these Verses don't teach anything about justification or salvation. It's all about judgment of sin. The third thing this does not teach, or it's a false teaching, Gentiles can be justified by living up to the light that they have. This is a big one. People say, well, if they never hear about Jesus, as long as they try hard, <laughs> if they live up to the light that they have within them, then it's going to be good enough. Paul is letting everybody know here in great detail 
No man is without excuse. No man can stand before a holy God and say, I just didn't know, right? That's what these verses teach. So what's not in verses 13 through 15? It does not teach the way of justification or salvation. I've made that clear. It does not teach that anyone who has or keeps the law is justified. Having the law, trying to do good, that doesn't get you saved. Three, it does not teach that anyone can or has ever perfectly kept the law. Paul's not saying that. He's not saying that a person can be saved by being perfect. He's actually making the point, you can't. All right, so with all that said, let's give the real point. I'm cheating because Paul's not there yet, but I have to. Give your pastor a break. I can't just teach judgment and damnation, all right? Paul's making it clear, and actually ad nauseum clear. I mean, I'm getting tired of him telling the same old story in every passage. He's, I mean, you can't listen to these first few passages of Romans without getting the point, all have sinned. All will be judged. Okay, Paul, we get it. But he's really making sure. Religious people can't make an excuse. Uh, Unreligious people, people that don't even know about religion. He's making it clear. Nobody has an excuse. But I've got to cheat. He's going to tell us eventually that Jesus is the only escape from wrath. At this point, what you've read is wrath is coming for all. He's eventually going to tell us that Jesus is the only escape. So number one. Ignorance is not bliss. Everybody say ignorance. And there's enough of that going around. Amen? There's an epidemic. Boy, I'm telling you, there's an epidemic. I wish we could wear masks and avoid stupidity, but we can't. Stupid is stupid, and ignorance is ignorance, and boy, this world is full of it. Remember when Paul told us a couple weeks ago, we read about the debased thinking, a mind that was depraved, no logic, right? No understanding, no mercy, no love. That's our culture. We are so messed up. I, I probably shouldn't go there. I'm, I'm going to Hawaii, so I don't care. I, I, I told you when we got to the one you know, touchy, sensitive passage, Paul was just trying to give exhibit A about sinfulness. And, and boy, we've really progressed since then. <laughs> I mean, how depraved is the world that they, they, I identify as this or I identify as that? And and good, smart, intelligent people are like, well, we should encourage them. You know, we want to treat everybody with respect. And I'm all for respect, but let me just tell you, going down this path of, of agreeing with somebody about an identity thing, that's not kind. Living in their charade is not kind. I want to make sure you understand that. And I want to, I'm going to play that out because I just heard, I just heard this. Oh, Lord, I pray it's false. But I heard it from a really good source that they're having a problem in schools today. I can't believe I did. <laughs> schools are having a problem now because some kids are identifying as cats. I'm not making this up. I wish I were. It would be hilarious. I'm not. They're asking the schools to put kitty litter boxes in the bathrooms for the kids who identify as felines. It's been brought up at Oxford. I'm not making this up. If you want to go home and check on me, that's fine. But there are places where they're fighting for equality and we've got to treat them with respect. If they think they're cats, if these teenagers think they're cats, we've got to put kitty litter boxes in the bathrooms 
Can I just tell you, this is the natural progression of the logic of this world. We've already gone down the road that you can be whatever you think and feel you're going to be. We've already gone down that road. Good, loving, meaning adults have been very supportive that we'll call you what you want to be called and we'll treat you the way you want to be treated. And now we just go one step. And you know what Oxford School said? Oxford School says, we're not putting kitty litter in the back. And I'm like, why not? Why, why not? It's just logical. You've had teachers who have left the school because they were told that they had to call kids whatever pronoun they wanted, and they said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to lie to them. I'm not going to play their charade with them. They quit their jobs, and now kitty litter's too far? Who gets to decide? We're living in a messed up, crazy world. Now, when I say all that, do we love and respect people as image bearers of God? Absolutely. We don't disrespect, but I think we can lovingly and respectfully say, I love you enough not to lie to you. I love you enough not to play a, a game that's going to hurt you down the road. And respectfully and kindly, with all grace and love, be truth bearers. Oh, friends, I'm telling you, whew, ignorance is not bliss, and there's enough of it going around. Paul's made it very clear. You can't escape wrath because, on, Your Honor, I didn't know. I didn't know. Ignorance is not a second path to salvation. You can't show up and say, I just didn't know any better. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Is there anything in that verse that makes you think, uh, Kitty that is option B? <laughs> no. Should we, res we, we, we need to respect people's ignorance, right? Uh, no, ignorance is not bliss. It is not an excuse. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Second thing, hearing is not bliss. Again, for the religious people, showing up and, and you know, give me two sermons and call me in the morning, that's not going to cut it. You don't get to heaven someday and say, well, I heard some great messages in the book of Romans. No, hearing, hearing is not bliss. Ignorance is not bliss. Hearing is not bliss. Having the law without complete obedience will not earn justification. Again, this is what Paul's trying to get across. Third, awareness is not bliss. Awareness. We, we live in a woke society. Woke, I think we're going to wake up and realize we were in a nightmare, but we live in a woke society, and awareness is not bliss. Ignorance is not bliss. Hearing is not bliss. Awareness, that's what Paul was trying to get across, natural law. So you have natural law. You know better. You don't steal. You don't hit anybody with a two-by-four. Not good enough. That's not going to get salvation. Awareness is not bliss. Mankind's conscience, a sense of right and wrong, condemns, not justifies him before God. I used to travel and, and do this whole thing on uh, proofs of God's existence. And one of them I loved uh, is this understanding of man's conscience. How, do, how, does, how does anyone have a conscience that they have a sense of right and wrong? And I used to show a video. I don't have it anymore, but it was from Philadelphia. It was on the nightly news in Philadelphia. A man was walking across the street, and a car came and hit him. Totally hit him. It was a hit and run. And the man went face down on the, kind of on a half of the sidewalk and half on the road, right? 
in broad daylight during the middle of the day, hit by a car, laid down. Cameras kept rolling, and, and it shows the people on the streets not only walked by and didn't do anything, several of them walked over his body and kept going. Nobody helped. And can I tell you, the media went nuts. People were outraged. On the news, they were playing this video, and the whole society's like, nobody did anything. How dare they? We got to find all these people who walked down that street, and we got to put them in jail. They were outraged. My question is, is why? How do they know that that's wrong? It is wrong. And everybody said, they should have known better. He was in need of help. Somebody should have helped him. To me, that is proof that God is. There is a conscience seared in man. Men know right from wrong. Now, they don't do right. They're depraved, and their thinking is warped, but they do know a sense of right and wrong. And when they don't do what's right, people say, you can't do that. Why not? This is proof, once again, man's conscience. It doesn't get them saved, but it is a condemnation that there is a God. So we finally get to number four, justification. I know it's not in this passage, but let me just hint. Justification is through Jesus, and that's what brings bliss. It, after all this, friends, I, I'm so looking forward to we get there, but after all this, Paul's finally going to say, but God commended his love toward us. After all this wrath, sin, accusation, after all of this heaviness, and finally everybody hearing and reading has to say, I have no hope. Paul finally is going to say, but God. And he's going to finally tell us that it's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's the only answer. So what do we say? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you're saved through faith. Not of yourselves. Do you understand how, how Paul can use this passage now? He just did a whole diatribe on this in Romans. For by grace you're saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So the conclusion for today, I don't, were you with me at all? Did I, did I really just waste everybody's time? Sometimes I'm like, did I just waste everybody's time? Because I know that was heady, geeky stuff. I was excited about it all week. From chapter 1 to chapter 3, Paul is making the case no one has any excuse before a holy God. Law reveals we are lawbreakers. That's it. Law reveals we are lawbreakers. I was driving a bus last night. I, I went in Detroit and picked up the, t- the group that was at the Detroit. And I drove them home. And, and I, I, I love driving a bus. I used to drive for Jeff and Kay. I used to love driving a bus. But you know what the worst thing in the world is for a CDL licensed driver of a bus with passengers in it? When you go thump thump and you run over a railroad track and you didn't see it. Isn't it the worst? Yeah. Now, you guys who don't know this, but if you're a, a, a BP licensed CDL driver, that means you got passengers in your vehicle. You have to, by law, stop before every railroad track. And you come to a complete stop, put the hazards on, open all the windows, and listen. And then you shut the windows, turn off the lights, and then you go. Amen, Jim? Amen, Jeff? That's right, Kay? And if you don't do that, and they catch you. Do you know what the penalty is? They immediately take your license. I mean, out of your wallet, take it, and it's theirs, and you don't get it back. You've just lost your license. So I'm telling you, when you're a CDL driver, and you're having a good time, and you're talking about the game, and all of a sudden, what was that? (gasps) What do I do? 
I immediately start looking for the cops. Where are the cops? Where are the cops, right? No, it's never happened to me. I've never, never would make that mistake. It didn't happen last night. There were no railroad tracks. But it's the law. I can fight the law, but the law is going to win. I fought the law, but the law won. We cannot be happy about this. We can complain about it. You can actually walk away from this saying, I don't think God's very fair. But I'm telling you, Paul is making the case, you can fight the law all you want, but the law is going to win. Therefore, he's making a case for the only hope, and that's Jesus. Man, why don't you come up? I'm going to pray. We're going to send you home. Uh, We're going to encourage those who are in the um, children's ministry, safety, welcoming. We're going to have a meeting uh, after this service right here in the worship center. Give us about 10 minutes, and we're going to gather to talk about the drill coming up. So if you work in any of those ministries, we encourage you to come and stay for that meeting. And uh, the band's going to play us that song, My Jesus, as we leave today. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you for Scripture. Father, I thank you for Paul's uh, diatribe and, and uh, the way he is so painstakingly making it clear that mankind has no excuse, whether religious or not, whether good person or not, whether well-meaning or not, there's no excuse. Sin is sin. It will be punished. It will be judged. So therefore, we need something. Thank you for Jesus. God, we're going to rejoice when we get to those sections that Paul lays it out and says how wonderful it is that God sent his only son to die for us. There's nothing we could do. Helpless and hopeless. And he sent Jesus. That's what we're going to sing. We're going to hear about that as the band sings. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there is no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Oh, let me tell you about my Jesus. We thank you for him in Jesus' name.